What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kalen Wojcik, and I'm here with uh, our your other host, Mr. Philip Baleo. And this is episode number 61. And if you guys are um, return listeners, thank you very much for being a return listener. Thank you for being with us again today for this episode. And if this is your first time listening to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, what is this podcast all about? It is about the journey of the rifleman, both yours and ours. And if you are a discerning shooter, just like we are, you are a constant student of the craft. Whether you're a professional military or law enforcement sniper, a competitor, a long range shooting enthusiast or a hunter looking to extend your range. This is the podcast for you. We are constant students of the craft and all we do on this podcast is talk about things that are going to uh, enhance our performance and our uh, deepen our understanding of what it means to be a long range shooter. So welcome. What's up, Phil? What's up, buddy? Excited to do this. It's been a while since uh, you and I were on the hook. Um, Yeah. Coming from uh our pig river our pig river podcasts which were marathons uh, yeah they were they were interesting you know a lot of got got a lot of um feedback from them via text and uh messages but um uh it's always tough to do i mean i enjoy doing big stuff like that but it's tough especially like when the sidebar conversations happen you know and then you know not everyone's hooked up so the audio starts getting kind of right. washy but other than that, dude, it's been good. Um, come just came back from Texas uh, two weeks down there for uh, the Guardian event and uh, two of our in-person classes down in Rifles Only. So um, just actually right before we jumped on this, I was uh, prepping brass for our Altus course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause, uh, the next couple of weeks going to be busy. It's the Christmas break for, um, Zoe and, uh, uh, heading up to Alaska. So just getting all that knocked out so I can, uh, come home from that and, and, uh, be ready to shoot over to Altus. Yep. It's going to be quick. It's only like, it's only what, two, three weeks away. So <clears throat> yeah, got lots of stuff, lots of moving parts going on. You cruise down to Texas, um, by yourself, you shot the guardian match down there. Um, obviously y'all know from listening to the other episodes, uh, previous episodes that we were in pig river, um, down in Virginia, that was our second time down there. And we're going to continue to make that, uh, an annual event because, um, number one, Josh is just an awesome dude. Um, and number two, he runs a really, uh, really an awesome venue there. So we'll be back again in 2023. Um, or no, actually it's 2022. I'm getting them messed up because we're trying to forecast out for our, for our training schedules to be talking about 23 as well. Um, but yeah, for 2022, we're back at big river and, um, I just love shooting there, man. It's a, it's a great place to train. Um, it actually, I I think like in reflection being there two years now, um, it's, uh, it's a place where the conditions can be pretty challenging, um, for, for your mental headspace because things can change at the drop of a hat there. And it can really, it can really like mess with your brain when it comes to like reading targets and then you go down range, like you go down there with the quad to, to fix a target or paint a target. And then you get to, you get there and you can see what the wind conditions are um, at the target. And just that different perspective of looking back towards the firing line and then being able to see what the wind's doing, then it, it all makes sense at that point in time. You're like, Oh, no wonder that's what's happening. And so it's, um, 
it's cool to just go to different places and learn those different conditions and have the benefit of going downrange. I think that's a huge deal when it comes to learning wind, if you can go downrange. Yeah, that, that going downrange is huge and gives you, you know, uh, the last couple months I've been doing what's your wind call um, on my uh, on my Instagram. And it's just like small clips of either me shooting a target and seeing spall or, you know, seeing the vegetation and whatnot. And, you know, when I did the back math after I hit my target, I mean, I only was only holding, I think it ended up being like, an average total of 15 mile an hours for my wind call. But when I actually went down there to the target um, to get an actual Kestrel reading, I mean, it was like 25, 30 mile an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I was trying to like, like you said, look in perspective of like, okay, well, why was I only using 15 when, um, when here it's 25 to 30 easily, right. Based off of how the vegetation is moving, again, how flat the, uh, the dust pickup was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like reading the terrain and I realized, Oh, well, there's a huge berm, uh, from the firing line to the left, right. That's where the wind was coming from. And you've got all this little micro terrain that's kind of blocking, you know, majority of the flight. So I was like, okay, I could see why now, um, that, that I wasn't needing that big of a wind call, right. Mm -hmm. For that, for that <clears throat> specific target. So, um, you know, dude wins always an interesting, interesting thing. And, and that's what I personally love about, um, long range shooting now in terms of just being able to start the day off or go to a, a place that, you know, I'm not really familiar with and, you know, just opening up with a fresh wind call, you know, at right. 600 yards plus, right. 300 yards. It's, it's whatever, you know, those are, those are pretty much chip shots nowadays, three, four, five, but it's like a 600 plus yard shot and 10 to 15 mile an hour wind conditions and connecting on the first round. That's, for me, that's therapy. Yep, for sure. Because that's, um, that's, that's the way the tone gets set for the day. Right. So, yeah. you know, you go out with a ton of confidence and you make an accurate wind call and you hit that, that first target, that first round that you shoot that literally sets the tone for the rest of the day. Like it's your, that's where your confidence comes from. Right. So if you're like, bam, you smack that thing center, you're like, all right, cool. This is probably going to be a good day. All right. Cause I've got this, I've got a pretty good idea of what's happening. And then obviously, obviously the day can change, but, but it's when you, when you miss that first round and you, you miss the wind call, you're like, Oh no, what's going on with, you know, where is my perception not jiving with the, with the conditions that I'm observing. That's right. And and that's where we go through the, the diagnostic process. But, and, and I usually have to just like cooling down a barrel. Um, you know, after I send my first shot down range at that point, because I've done it so many times, my, my brain has already re re uh, reverse engineered the wind call. Does that make sense? So like yep. any targets past that, I'm just either stacking wind or just doing the, you know, like, okay, well that was a 15 mile an hour and I'm just going to apply that out over to the next targets mm -hmm. um, until the conditions, you know, tell me otherwise when I, when I hit down range. So usually I wait um, about uh, 10 to 15 minutes, um, you know, do some dry fire or do some close range stuff. Um, before like letting the wind conditions change again before I head out and, and, you know, again, do like a one shot, uh, out to 600 yards plus, uh, to really just, again, um, work on that initial wind call. Right. Uh, cause you can ease like once you, again, once you figure out the wind down range, it's like, 
I mean, you might as well just shoot in no wind conditions. Right. Yep. Um, so, uh, funny that, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, that first shot. So, you know how people always ask you like, what's your most memorable shot that you've ever taken? Oh yeah. Uh, so I've got two now. My first one was when I was at, when I was teaching at Gunworks, I was doing a demonstration for the standing position off the tripod about like how just, um, how, uh, important it is for a rifleman to carry a tripod. And, um, it was in front of the students and one of the students was like, well, uh, try to shoot that, uh, 13, 10 yard target. It was a big ass L credit with my six, five Creedmoor. And it had a magneto speed light, uh, a light on it. And so, um, I was like, all right. So, you know, got in and, you know, sent like, got my wind calls and then boom, fucking sent it and <laughs> in smash back, right, right in front of the students, you know, so that was, <laughs> that was all you doing it on demand was like, it's always cool like that. So that was my first memorable shot. And my second one actually just happened here in Texas. So, um, we're doing the, it's the last day of advanced cl- course and we were doing uh, the modern day sniper advanced evaluation right we're up at the tower and we had just finished tripod uh, known distance and um i kind of wanted to throw a twist for these guys because uh i liked jacob's kind of match style that he did uh, earlier this year which is whatever target that uh you decide to shoot from 300 to a thousand you can shoot it but you can only shoot at once and if you hit it that's the amount of points that you get for that stage all right wait a minute minute. so say that again now what so so like so the stage design is like you got one shot you can shoot anywhere from 300 to a thousand right yep whatever target you hit or what if you hit it whatever yard line you hit that's the amount of points that you get so if you shoot the thousand you get 10 points if you shoot 600 you get get one shot so it's range it's range kyl is essentially yeah 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 Yeah, so wind kyl that's right so I did that with the students. I was like, I was like, Hey, this is going to be, I never do this, but I, I think this is super cool. Uh, and now, now that we're with, uh, at uh, Jacob's facility, it's the best way to do it. So I was like, this is going to be your extra credit, but I give these guys three rounds and I was like, all right, you can choose a uh, target and whatever distance it is. And every time you hit it, that's the amount of points that you accumulate toward your, uh, uh eval. Right. Um, so if you shoot 600 and you hit it three times, that's 18 points, right? If you hit the thousand three times, that's 30 points, uh, Got it. Uh, 30 points. Right. So <clears throat> everyone goes right. Uh, the first person that goes, they got actually our high shooter. Um, I mean, he was smart, right? He's like, dude, I got my dope dialed in for 600 cause he just hit it. And he's like, got my wind call. He's like, I'm just going to hit that three times, get my points. And I'm like, all right, he started off, hit all three. Um, a couple guys went out to a thousand and stuff like that. Um, and then, so, but when it came time to my, uh, when it came time to my turn, I was going to go 700 and then they like peer pressure me. I was like, no, you gotta go a thousand. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. All right. So I went to a thousand. So I got down and again, l- l- lately I've been, uh, learning how to, or just like training my brain again to dial wind and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I got down and, you know, everyone's getting quiet and watching. And, you know, if you've never been to Jacob's place, he's got 10 inch plates from 300 all the way out to a thousand. That's it. You yeah. got a, a 10 inch plate at a thousand and you've got like a T bar that helps with your uh, elevation. And uh, I made my wind call, you know, uh, I was like, uh, and I was going off again, the gun number. I was like, all right, I'm a six mile an hour gun. Cause I'm shooting 135 a tips. And I was like, 
if it was six miles an hour, it'd be about 1.0, 1.1, but I don't think it's that much. I think it's more like a four or five. So then I backed it down to like a 0.7, dialed it in. Dude, my first shot in front of everyone watching was fucking dead center. <laughs> Such a good feeling. And then and then the, my next two follow-up, I missed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm good on that first one. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And, and, and well, like, I think it goes to show, like, because I was trying to rush it to try to get that wind call in. Mm-hmm. But I think what, I, what happened was I just threw out the fundamentals and that is what caused me to miss. I mean, cause it's a small, it's a one MOA plate, right? Yeah. So it just goes to show that, you know, you, you, you can have a perfect wind call, but if your fundamentals are trash, mm-hmm. right. You're not going to yeah. hit your target. So. There's so much, there's so much going on, like a, a one minute of angle targeted at a grand, even with even shooting a, a, a really high performing projectile, like a 135 a tip, there's still like, it's a mile an hour plate, right? That's a mile an yeah. hour plate at that distance. Actually yeah. less, even for a six, five. So you, you make one tiny little mistake, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, that's gratifying though. That's super gratifying. I did it. I did yeah, so it. I, I was, only got 10 points. I, <laughs> I was betting. A, I bet a pig, uh, at, at the schoolhouse that I couldn't, that I, uh, it was something like I hit it from the offhand at a grand, um, I forget something. It was, it had to do with bear crawling. There was bear crawling involved at some, some point in time in this bet. And it was totally unfair. And I made it that way because I was like, this is my world. I'm going to do it my way. So I said, if I hit it, I just get to walk away. Um, but if I miss it, I just, I get to walk away too. But if you miss, you get to bear crawl the hill several times. And then if you hit it, you, you hit it, whatever. And, um, sure as shit i hit it and then the student hit it and it was it was just a i did it at an offhand at a grand with a 40 on a on a full echo and um my stakes were fine like i didn't care if i missed because nothing bad was going to happen to me (laughs) i was like i'm just going to send it and see what happens and i ended up hitting it in like left shoulder and um then then the pig the pig team hit as well but they hit more center than i did were they uh, in the prone yeah, they were in the prone, nice. but it was still, it was one of those where it's just like, I'm going to put the rifle down and walk away for the day and not touch another gun. Cause <laughs> so that was, that was just like a super lucky shot, but the bullet fired from my rifle connected with the target from the standing unsupported cool. at a grant. So, um, yeah, those shots, some of those shots, I did uh, same thing here. You know, we got our 1400 and 1400 yard target here. I did that from standing from a tripod with a 308 in front of a student and they were like, holy shit but it was dead calm like yeah and that's a tough target to hit out there too so the 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 pig river though with the wind turning on and turning off that can be frustrating at least out at rifles only the wind is constant mm-hmm. and what you know once it starts ripping it's like it's like okay i'm here to stay until it turns off but yep. pig river it's just like it's on and off on and off all freaking day long uh, th- that's one thing. It's like, you know, people always talk about the, the challenges out each, each way, um, in terms of like West coast central or, or, or East coast and, um, the East coast, um, when, when they do start having wins, they have a lot of switchy wins, right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, you get some of those stages where you've got those, you know, pretty small targets and I would call them separator stages, which is smart for the match director to have. And, you know, you just have to be really on point with your wind call, um, uh, or to be able to see your, your splash, because one thing about the East coast for some, for some stages or for some venues, they don't have berms directly behind it. So like Josh's mm -hmm. uh, venue, you know, we've got those Ipsics down there by the, um, by the, by the car and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no berm directly behind it. So sometimes, uh, especially with how wet the conditions were, sometimes those yep. bullets were just getting eaten up by, uh, by the grass. Yeah. You get no splash. Yeah. So that's what makes, you know, that's what makes the East coast tough. Um, and then, you know, obviously really high winds on the West coast. So there's challenges from what my experience, um, everywhere around, around the They're unique. Yeah. Every, every place has a unique challenge that you're like, Oh, okay, well I got to deal with this problem here. And this is going to be a consistent problem that I have to deal with. Um, and then it's just different for, for every venue. You're absolutely right. But, but that's the journey of being a, a rifleman that, that you and I always talk about. And that's why I love traveling. Uh, all around the nation is because I don't want to just be good at my home range. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be able to figure out the conditions um, to a, a place that I don't know and figure it out, you know, because um, it, you know, it, it just goes back to our roots as snipers. It's like, Hey, you don't know where you're going to go, mm -hmm. right. You don't know where you're going to end up and how well are you able to quickly identify the conditions in order to uh, place a well-aimed shot in support of uh, the, um, unit that you're supporting, you know, to, uh, you know, and, and at that point, I mean, that's your, that's your ultimate job and your goal, mm -hmm. right. Uh, as you said, you know, um, shooting is 10% of our job, but when it comes time to shoot, it becomes 100% of your purpose. Right. Yep. And, you know, this kind of ties in with some of the LE guys, um, that I was training, uh, super solid guys. Um, they were freaking awesome, but it gave me perspective of, um, the reality of, of, uh, LE snipers and the amount of training they have uh, available to them mm -hmm. and what is expected of, uh, society or even, even the department for them to be able to perform on demand. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because with, especially with the massive gaps, um, the massive gaps that they have in their training time, they're being expected to, to perform at the highest level with having such a, such a minimal, uh, training time or, um, sustainment. And that's, that's hard to do. Like, that's really, really hard to do. Cause like, we talk about that all the time, you know, being off the, being away from the rifle for, you know, two weeks, that's, that's two weeks that, you're not practicing and those skills deteriorate really fast, even in two weeks, especially like, especially at the, I, I don't want to sound presumptuous, but especially at the higher levels of once you get that, once you get your process down, right. And you're, let's take an example of shooting like five positions, 10 shots in a 92nd stage. And you're, and you're, you're cleaning that in just a couple seconds to spare, meaning like you're just, you're, you're, your process is a well-oiled machine at that point in time. But if you take two weeks away from that, that might be a daunting task, right? For your brain to, to, to replay and redo. And so 
it, there's something to be said for regular practice. And, you know, the conversations that we've had over the last couple of days as we've caught up, um, you know, talking about being uh, training accountability partners, I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing because it doesn't really take much. What does it take to, to stay at the, to stay fresh, at least with your mechanics, it takes touching your rifle at least for 10, 15 minutes a day. Like if you can do that, if you can dedicate 10, 15 minutes a day to touching your rifle and manipulating it, um, and, and keeping those neural pathways, um, unobstructed, I guess, right. Um, uninterrupted, that's going to, it's going to play dividends. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to putting that as part of um, a training regimen, because honestly, quite honestly, I haven't, it's just been, there's so many other things going on. Life takes over. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say like falling off the bus, but it's just, it is what it is. Right. And having a training accountability partner, which is kind of what we wanted to do with the network to begin with anyways, is have, you know, it's the, it's, it's a bunch of people grouping together that have common goals, common, common efforts and coming together to be training accountability partners. And I think that's really important and just touching the rifle for 10, 15 minutes a day can literally make all the difference in the world for those. Even if it's not live fire, live fire is awesome, but just the mechanical aspect of it is a big deal. The, you know, the thing, you know, kind of turn it over to the, the, the headspace of like, why, you know, why are performance like especially for me uh my performance is measured based off of how well i perform and this is this is what i'm battling with myself how i perform at any given event right um i understand that when i go to an event i have a target on my back and stuff like that um and it's not necessarily um you know i don't care uh, that i get beat by other people but it's like for me what i get frustrated about uh, within myself is that knowing that I'm better and, and more capable of that performance that I, that I delivered at that point in time, mm-hmm. you know, making mistakes like, uh, pulling the trigger too early, right. Being lazy on, on, on the trigger, um, not really taking the time to, to make educated corrections or, um, uh, educated wind calls, right. Uh, being overly influenced by again, people in my squad based off of what they're doing for wind and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how they're executing a course of fire and, that just came from um, me uh, resting on the fact that, okay, like I'm, you know, I shoot enough, right? I know I'm not going to get, you know, uh, mid pack or, you know, bottom, bottom, like last place. Um, but now after it's all said and done and I look back at my performances, like I beat myself up because like, man, I'm better than that. Like how, how can I continue to, um, uh, push the envelope within myself so that I don't make those correct, uh, make those mistakes, uh, at events like these to, 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 that, you know, ultimately ends up showing my ass in, in, in my head. So like you talked about even touching the rifle for 15, 20 minutes a day. And that's why ever since even coming back from, uh, Texas, I've been in the range three times because I know it usually happens, you know, I get a little lazy because like I've been on the road for two weeks. Um, but that's what separates, uh, especially on the competition side, the top level competitors from the rest of the pack. Right. Is like, is like 
the, the, the mindset of winning doesn't care, uh, that you've, you know, that you've been working already for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Hey, there's someone out there that's grinding and, and, and putting time and effort into refining their craft. Uh, and that's why they're at the top right. uh, of the leaderboards <clears throat> every single time, you know? So, um, cause I know, you know, when I get back, typically it's like, I don't ever want to touch my rifle for, for three or four weeks until the next event or whatever the case might be, but I've been making a conscious effort to like, okay, Hey, even if I go to the range and shoot 10 rounds, like I'm going to yeah. make those 10 rounds as focused as possible, um, and take one thing away from it. Right. Yep. Um, I so. think that's really important to say, I mean, cause when, when you do training focus is really important, but like you said, taking just 10 rounds out to the range and saying, I'm only going to shoot 10, it totally shifts your perspective. I mean, now I'm kind of spoiled because the range is 15 minutes away from my house and I can actually go out and dry fire in the yard uh, anytime I want. Right. So there's, there's a, there's that, but going to the range with only 10 shots and saying, Hey, I'm going for, you know, I'm going to shoot this particular stage. And I like to do that to, to say, okay, um, whatever the conditions are at the, at the day that I'm going to shoot this, I'm going to kind of select a target size that is going to be a challenge in those conditions. So that way I can test myself and just go out and shoot one stage and say, okay, I'm going to shoot, you know, two positions, to target whatever the case is and you go through and you shoot it and and like hey that's my performance that's like if i showed up at, a, at an event and this is my first stage of the day that's my performance that's where i'm at for this particular set of conditions and my 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 current mental headspace approaching it and i think it's a decent baseline um to go from to establish the, the, another training regime, right. Or, or to take it to the next level and say, okay, what do I need to do to shift my performance for that very first opening 10 round stage? Yeah. That, and that's honestly, I've been, I'm guilty of, I'm guilty of, uh, the hypocrisy of, of, you know, telling students in in-person classes, like how many of us go to the range and we, you know, we focus on the targets that make us feel good. Cause we're going to hit mm-hmm. the target. Right. I'm definitely guilty of doing that myself. Uh, especially when it comes to, um, uh, creating content or whatever. Uh, so lately I've been like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to shoot the fir- like a pretty, uh, decent sized target at some distance so that I can, like, even if I miss, Hey, like I'm, I know I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, as long as I'm able to, to, to learn something from that miss and, and Jacob uh, said it even this past two weeks ago and, 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 and Solowinski uh, solo says it all the time is you learn a lot more from your misses than you do your impacts, which is absolutely true. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, just lately again, um, what used to be my pet target, which was like a 400 yard diamond at like 12 inch diamond, like now became, uh, a 560 yard, like, uh, 50% IPSC mm-hmm. and a 650 and 600 yard, 12 inch square. Right. So about two under, just under two MOA. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, those, those are, especially when the wind picks up at the range, those, those, uh, those get a little, a little tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, especially when shooting off a tripod, uh, because, um, 
the wind starts bucking you around, you know, and it, it, yep. it it's a wobble that you cannot uh, control, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of your shooting position, the higher you get off the ground. The wind wobble. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's... Yeah. Um, yeah. Get lower. <laughs> yeah, you get, get lower. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody's dealing with the same thing you are. It's yeah. not like you're unique. Um, but uh, I think that... I think the there is also something to be said too. Like you, I want to circle back when you say, you know, target on your back um, and what that actually means from uh, our individual perspectives, because I, I have to say that that's a, that's probably for me, one of the biggest things that I have to contend with mentally is my perception of my performance in front of other people. Like that's a big, that's a big thing for me personally that I have to work on overcoming and it stems, you know, it just, it stems from the desire to, to say, I know that I'm capable of doing this and, and managing your expectations, right. Of, of how you're going to perform. And then when we don't meet those expectations, because we know what we're capable of, that's how like managing those, managing those emotions and saying, okay, all right. So, um, I liked, uh, I like Duffy's little emotional scale, like that he talked about. I think that's fantastic. It's a great, it's a great visual tool for people to see, like, this is how, this is how we can go above baseline. And, you know, we're riding the, we're riding the, 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 um, the external validation wave, right? We, we perform, we have some great results, and therefore we have that external validation of saying, Hey, I did that. I did that really well. I cleaned it, whatever the case is. So now I'm riding up here. And then when the next event shows up or the next, um, and the next evaluation shows up and we don't perform up to the standard that we expect, it takes us down below the baseline. And then we're sitting here wondering, okay, what went wrong? And, and, it's, it's a delicate balance of, of managing the, uh, you know, the, the perception of self and, um, you know, your own expectations. Um, so the, um, right before the guardian match, I actually to go to the guardian match, I used uh, Peyton Grimes, truck. So I met, met with them. And, uh, for those that you guys don't know, I, I trained Peyton, um, and she's been kicking butt in the central and Texas area. Um, but, uh, you know, I haven't really had the ability to have like hands-on coaching with her. Um, just because obviously, you know, she's in Texas and I'm in Wyoming, but we're in contact. I'm in contact with her dad pretty much all the time. And he's always, you know, asking me what he can, um, have her do in terms of dry fire or what, but in terms of like the mental coaching aspect. So, um, right before I jumped into truck to head down to, to Pearsall, uh, you know, Peyton and I were talking, getting ready for her finale match. And, um, some of the things that we talked about, uh, in terms of performance, <clears throat> this was stemming back from the finale. Cause she didn't have a really good finale. Neither of us did, but for her performance, she didn't, she really knows that she didn't have a good finale performance. So I had to write down everything that, um, went wrong, uh, in terms of like, uh, missing targets, you know, uh, bad wind calls or whatever. And we, she wrote down a list per stage of like everything that went wrong. Right. And then we highlighted those, the things that um, were completely in her control. Right. Mm-hmm. Not on the right dope <clears throat> targets, 
Uh, and then we separated, okay, what she couldn't control. Mm. So things like size of the target, um, wind conditions, mm-hmm. right. Um, and like shooting order. Right. So mm-hmm. those are, you know, majority of the things that you can't control. So then we started just going over, okay, Hey, the things that you can control and then what to do, you know, to avoid that instance again, like building in, um, a routine, right. Of understanding like, Hey, you know, when you get your safety brief, this is the very first thing that you should do in terms of identifying your targets or whatever the case might be. Um, uh, you know, a uh, couple situations that she had and I had them too, where, you know, you're, you got one single target or maybe two targets and you're four shots in, you haven't connected once. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you know, you're changing something and that's where you, stop because like you get i know being in that moment you get so tunnel vision and you're like you're just like sending all sorts of corrections one way or another right trying to make it happen exactly and then and i told her i was like that's where you just disconnect from the rifle and restart right sure like force yourself to get out of that headspace of like i know i should be connecting with this target but i'm not and I think what that allows you to do is like really reset and be like, okay, I know what I need to be doing. You know, so you open up with a brand new wind call or whatever, whatever the case might be. Uh, but it allows you just to pull out of that tunnel vision so that you're not continuing to make the same mistakes. Anyways, what, what I'm talking about all this is after having that mental uh, coaching kind of session, uh, she went out and got top 10 at the, uh, uh, PRS rimfire finale over, mm-hmm. with over like a hundred and I think it was like 150 shooters or a hundred. I can't, I don't know that number, but I mean, it, it was uh, a national, you know, people were coming down from Michigan and, and stuff. And so it just goes to show that the mental part of the game is super apparent in the higher echelons of yeah. the, uh, the, the ranking system, the higher, the higher you go, the more, <clears throat> the more the mental game requires, um, supreme strength, right. right. The, it, you know, it, because everybody's probably, everybody's handling, <clears throat> pardon me at that level, everybody's handling their rifle with the same level of proficiency. They're able to, um, execute their mechanics pretty much with the same level of proficiency in terms of, um, addressing the rifle, bringing the rifle to bear on the target, building a solid shooting position with your body, and then managing the sight picture using natural point of aim breath. And then finally, you know, releasing the shot with, with optimal trigger control. So everybody at that level is pretty much doing those things. Um, pretty much the same. I would have to, I, I would say it's the, it's the mental game that separates um, the crowd when you get to that top level or in that upper echelon level. Yeah. The, the mental resilience mm-hmm. for sure. And what does that even mean? What is it? What does mental resilience mean? Like when it comes to that, what is, what does that mean to you? So that's a great question, man. I have been, I've been trying to read up on books and uh, like sports books and stuff like that um, uh, to really educate myself on, on like what I'm experiencing Um and mental resilience is, is like really perf- even performing on your bad day. Right. Cause like you, you're, you're, you all, everyone's had, has bad days. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, you know, going back to against sports at 
I, I grew up watching basketball a lot. So uh, Michael Jordan is an, obviously a, a very big icon in, in the just the uh, sports mindset competitive uh, community. And, and um, I mean, even he had bad days. Uh, but what I what I feel like separated Michael Jordan from the rest is his just mental resilience to continue to perform better than even the average person at his lowest, right? At his lowest. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And and then having and then no understanding that you are going to have bad days and then being able to push through them. Cause I know I've definitely dropped my pack at matches after like three bad stages. It's mm-hmm. like at this point, I'm just riding the wave. I'm here, right? I'm just gonna have fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's a cop out. Yeah. Does that make sense, right? Because yep. like it's like it's like okay, I'm here in my head. I'm like I'm here for marketing. I'm here to meet that, which is it's just fine. Like and yeah, um, there are you know people that show up to these competitions, you know, because they want to shoot with friends and all that stuff. And I and I I'm there too, but you can't tell me, especially if you're traveling and spending three to four thousand dollars. Yeah, that you you're, don't have skin, that you don't have skin in the game. You got right? some skin in the game. <clears throat> That's right. And so, um. I know that when I start performing poorly, my mindset reflects off of that. And then it continues to just go down the drain. Right. Right. In terms of my performance. So what, so, and I, I deal, I deal a lot with the same thing. Um, and because it's that it's managing the expectation, it's managing the, managing the expectation of, I should be able to like, I should be able to clean every stage. I should be able to clean every single stage and shoot and hit every single target. Um, And it's managing the expectation that we're actually not probably not going to do that. That's not really a a reasonable expectation. It can, it can be for some different stages or some different events um, depending on the conditions and the sizes of the targets and things like that. But I really truly believe for me anyways, it shows up with um, uh, an analysis of what my intent is and say, okay, what, what truly is my intent and what's going on, um, in my own headspace that, um, is preventing me from staying present because I think a lot of people talk about focus and it's, it's staying focused. Um, but in the reality it's, it's your ability to stay present for the, for the current task, meaning, that's what, that's what I would think is focus is staying present and being, and what I mean by that is, is not allowing your mind to wander to anything else that is going to detract the attention from the task at hand. Right. And it's, and it's a tough, it's a tough thing because we do go to these events because we want to be social. We want to shoot with other people. Um, and we want to connect with our, with our peers and we want to connect with our community but then at the same time, it's like, Hey, what do I, where's the boundary? Where's the balance between staying present for every single stage, not losing that, that presence, um, and, or being able to jump in and out of it. Right. And be able to say, okay, when I'm done and I, I've gone through my workflow, I've gone through my prep, um, I've shot, I've shot the stage or I've shot my, I've shot my event. And then I go through the post, the post-stage process of kind of breaking that's the stress response and getting myself back to a baseline and then going, okay, yeah, we can have a conversation. We can bullshit. We can talk, laugh, joke, but then we got to get back right into it. 
right? So it's that in and out <clears throat> that I think is the most challenging um, for myself anyways, and to be able to stay present for all of those decisions that we have to make to shoot a really good stage. You know, so, something that I've been thinking about recently um, in terms of tying it back to tying the, the competitive mindset back into being a student again at sniper school. Uh, I've been, I don't know, um, not reliving the glory days, but just having some nostalgic nostalgia moments and remembering, you know, when it came down to qual day or, you know, just, um, days at cyber school and just kind of watching students and, um, you know, there are students that I knew, know or, 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 uh, or Marines that I know that were phenomenal shooters, um, that I, I watched them, you know, and, you know, I saw them do really well on just regular days, but then on demand on performance, when it came down to qual day, they just completely couldn't do it. Fucking, yeah. They just couldn't do it. Right. And it's like, like, I guess what happens like, because I mean, I guess I don't know um, in that, in that term, because obviously, you know, I was very, you and I have, were very, very successful when we went to school, obviously. Um, but like, I guess in my head, I'm trying to get in their brain, like, okay, well, what happened? What is it about performance on, uh, on a specific day that they cannot put those two and two together? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like you said, it's, it's, it's the, um, uh, not being present in the moment, uh, not focusing on the processes, right. Um, and then just being completely attached to the outcome of sniper mm -hmm. school, which is ultimately becoming a sniper, right? Sure. That's what everyone is there for, but not dissecting that moment in time of understanding like, okay, the process of, of shooting this rifle is I first have to build a good solid, solid shooting position. Then I got to aim my rifle. Then once I aim my rifle, I got to wait for my observer to make, give me a wind call. Mm -hmm. And then once he gives me a wind call, I need to apply a good consistent trigger press pressures on my rifle so that I can, you know, drive this gun every single time. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I'm just throwing a guess out here is that they're not able to, again, stay present with that mindset and headspace during <clears throat> times of, you know, having to perform on demand. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. Um, it, and it's also being able to compartmentalize things because you are dealing with a lot of different evaluations at that point in time, um, in the school. So you, you, you've got to be able to compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm focusing on this right now. We're going to worry about the other. I know I got another bunch of other shit that I need to worry about, but I really just have to worry about this right now in this moment. Then <clears throat> you know, that's part of the stress of going to that school, um, is, is being able to like manage that compartmentalization, um, and just kind of pick out what it is that you need to focus on right now. Hey, we're just going to get through this. And then when we get to the other event, we're going to worry about that. Um, and I think shooting and shooting competitions is a lot of the same thing. And honestly, I think sometimes it comes down to, um, taking yourself too seriously, and, and, and learning when to not take yourself too seriously and just, and just enjoy, um, enjoy the connection that you have and 
and understand like, Hey, I go to shoot because I enjoy this. I enjoy this moment of, of solitude, um, where everything's jiving and everything's in a flow state and the strive, pardon me, the drive should just really be to get to that moment every single time. Right. And not live, not be anxious and not live in the past of saying, Oh man, I, I fucked that up. And, and now I'm going to, now I'm going to attach a bunch of, um, I'm going to attach a bunch of, um, memories to, uh, past memories to this, to this screw up that I just did, which is then going to prolong that negative emotion. It's just going to continue to prolong it because if we think about it, you know, when you feel, when you feel shitty or you feel like some sort of emotion come up, when you think about it, how long, if we don't stay attached to it, and if we don't kind of mull it over in our head and kind of constantly think about it, it's like, you know, maybe a dude cut you off in traffic. Right. And then you're just like, fuck that guy. And you stay in that mindset of fuck that guy for like five, 10 minutes, you know, where you're just like, man, what the fuck is that dude's problem or whatever it is. And it's, um, because you're, you're attaching, um, other memories of being cut off in the past and how bad it pissed you off in the past or whatever it is, instead of just sitting there and saying, okay, that pissed me off. I'm feeling anger. And then allowing that emote, cause it's going to move, it's going to pass through you, right? It's going to move through you. And then you're going to come back to that baseline. Like if you imagine, imagine Duffy's baseline, if you just let that emotion of anger, just come feel, be pissed off, but then let it go away. It's going to move in 60 to 90 seconds. It's gone. It's gone. But we, what we do as humans, we attach, we stay pissed off because we're thinking about all of the other things in the past that are connected to that feeling of anger. And it won't let us, it doesn't let us let it go and let it move on. And so I think that's a huge thing too, that I'm, that I'm working on and for, it doesn't matter whether it's anger or whether it's, you know, any other emotion, because I want to be able to stay present. And in order for me to stay present, I have to be able to allow, to, to have the discipline to allow those emotions to just move on through and just let it all, just let it move on through and don't attach anything to it. And just to, to, to truly stay present in the moment. And I think that's a, that's like, it's a way easier said than done, but that for me, that's one of my focuses on trying to get my headspace game up into the upper, upper echelons of concentration and focus. Uh, I'm excited to do the, um, uh, accountability partner training. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's going to uh, be one fun. Of things, one, of, one of the things we want to talk about with our audience in this podcast is like our plans for 2022 um, and some upcoming stuff. So obviously we've got Altus coming up, guys. Uh, we've got intro, which is sold out um, the 6th through the 9th of January. And then mm-hmm. immediately after that, we've got advanced uh, uh, competition, um, precision rifle, which we've got uh, available slots there. We got some availability uh, there. So if you guys are in, in that area and you guys are looking at, uh, at, a, at a course, take a look at the advanced. And then Florida as well at the end of uh, January. Well, no, actually it's the first week of February starting mm-hmm. the 2nd, yep. right? We've got intro again uh, at Volusia County. Volusia County. All we got some spots open for that. Another advanced competition clinic. 
Um, and then in March, so this is, I guess, our, our first quarter. And then March, we've got Paula again. We're going out to California. We've got a uh, intro uh, one week, which I believe starts the 14th. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then the following week, we have the advanced uh, course. So yep. uh, check that out on our uh, uh, site. But anyways, um, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, I, I know I told you this earlier, I think yesterday, that I wanted to take a stab at the uh, AG Cup again, or the, not again, but the AG Cup for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got invited the first year because first year was invite only. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to make it. This was 2019 um, because that was actually the year that I got Zoe full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't end up going. And then last year, uh, I just, uh, we, I mean, we were full throttle with modern day cypher. It's just been super busy. And then this year, um, I just didn't, you know, mm-hmm. just because I was looking at the prices and, you know, of scheduling and not seeing like, uh, I don't know if I can line up the AG matches around our schedule, but moving into 2022, it's like, all right, I, I, it's, it's finally to take, it's finally my time to take a stab at it to see again, where, uh, where I land amongst the top, you know, shooters in the nation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, right. Um, comes, uh, training with, uh, a, uh, individual of, uh, like-minded or, or better skill, uh, to help push me through that threshold. Um, and I think one of the things that's nice about you and I is that we have very, we, we know each other's ranges mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, um, we can develop courses of fire for each other that allows us to not be in our own. Cause again, you know, I think just realistically, we're going to gravitate to a course of fire that is going to make us be successful. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, when, when we go out and create a training plan, but if I give you a course of fire, because I know the ranges that you have and stuff like that, and the props that you have available to you, I'm going to give you a, you know, 30 to 40 round course of fire for you to perform, uh, record, send it back to me and then vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next month or week, you'll have a course of fire. And I think that's, you know, especially, um, because we work remotely from each other or, you know, right. we're separate from each other, you know, it's not like we're able to go to the range together. Um, and you know, when we do go to the range or when we do see each other at these events, uh, it's typically, uh, in, in for classes, but we're so busy with students. We're not able to really, um, perform and assess and, and critique sure. each other. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, we're there for, you know, we're there for students and that's, um, that's where the focus needs to be. And it, it can be, it, it is difficult because we are, we are remote from one another, but I think the, I think that this is going to be, um, a really cool thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah. and I'm looking forward to seeing, and I'm looking forward to being able to see measurable, uh, measurable results from, from, uh, this type of kind of like accountability partner type training, because I think it, I think it definitely matters. And I think that if we start utilizing technology to our advantage, when it comes to things like sharing videos and, you know, doing live stuff, and, um, it's just going to help us, um, take it to the next, take it to the next step, next level. Yeah. Cause I've talked about this a lot uh, offline, but I feel like for my growth as an instructor, right um is 
you know, because we, we have these in-person classes and there's a lot of external validation of, of shooters that come to in-person, they enjoy the course, you know, um, you know, they give nothing but solid feedback. And even when I tell, when we tell them like, Hey, like tell us what we did wrong so we can figure out a way to get better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's always hard for, for shooters or students because, you know, maybe it's their first class and they, I mean, they've, they have that no baseline of expectation mm-hmm. uh, or maybe we uh, obviously, uh, uh, we're able to deliver a lot more than they um, definitely anticipated, mm-hmm. which is which is great. Uh, but now I've been talking about lately is like, okay, well, as an instructor, the growth of my instruction goes comes down to like, how do I take an already great shooter and make him a phenomenal shooter? Right. right? How do I take a great shooter, you know, that is maybe you know mid pack uh, competitively and you know, uh, turn them into someone that is consistently finishing on the podium mm-hmm. because that to me is what will stand out amongst anything else against any of my accolades. And so like one of my proudest things that I remember is, um, the fact that, uh, I would send guys to cyber school and they were successful, right? right. Like their successes of, of being, uh, a graduate of cyber school were a lot, like it felt more to me than even when I graduated cyber school. Right. Yep. I hear that, man. It's because it's a testament to your ability to, um, to prepare people and to get them ready to go. Yep. And, and also to get their, to, to get them to understand where their mindset needs to be. Cause that, that's a huge part of, of, of being successful at that school as well. And it's a huge, I mean, that's a mindset. Like that's what we've been talking about. Mindset is everything when it comes to performing at a high level. And, um, it's, I think, um, I think a lot of it has to do with your intent to like, what are you there to do and how, how like reasonably in touch are you with your intent and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm fucking here to win. And, um, I had a very different outlook on that and it was very conflicted. Like I had a lot of conflict within my own, within myself of what I was there to do when I would go shoot at a competition and, I really had to eat some, I really had to eat some crow and some humble pie and realize that I was approaching this game from a completely, um, uh, it was basically, I was kind of like, I was in my own way. I was basically getting in my own way by having a thought process of, well, I'm like, take the NRL hunter series as an example. I was like, well, I'm going to shoot this entire series exactly with the equipment that I'm going to, that I'm going to hunt with meaning lightweight bag, lightweight tripod, you know, obviously the rifle has to make weight. Um, and then I realized like, yeah, the format is quote unquote hunter, but it's really just a, it's really just a a competition where we locate targets, we range targets and we shoot targets all on our own. Right. So it's, it's testing the shooter's ability to have a systematic process of, um, of, identifying, locating, identifying, and then prosecuting targets. Right. So that, that could be construed in many different ways. Like it could be construed from a tactical standpoint. It could be um, looked at from a hunting standpoint, but anybody that uses a rifle that has to find their own targets, range their own targets, and then shoot their own targets. Like that's the course of fire that you want to go to test your skills at. And so then I realized I was like, well, after I saw a bunch of people shooting it and then I said, okay, okay, well, 
I want to be here to be competitive. And I was just having this massive disconnect in my brain of, am I here to be competitive or am I here to be, you know, um, is this a training evolution? Because it's, you can look at it from two different perspectives. And now that I've just, I've looked at it from the standpoint of, well, if I'm here, I'm here to play a game. So let's just play the game. And I was really resistant to that for, for a lot of, for a lot of years. And so um, I've made it a point to try to like, not necessarily make peace, but understand the difference between the two focuses and the two thought processes of saying, okay, I'm here to compete and win because I know that I can. And then I'm going to select the equipment that's going to allow me to have that advantage versus, okay, I'm going to come into this event with the mindset of I'm here to train, right? I'm here to to utilize this, this equipment and see where, where it stacks up. So with that being said, um, I've decided to take the deep, the deep dive and I bought myself, um, components for a six, a six BRA. And I'm about ready to drop a couple barrels off at, um, at, uh, at my gunsmith over in Seattle and get them chambered up and start shooting, start shooting a BRA. And, um, I'm going to shoot one ten A tips, um, out of that thing. And, um, I'm really looking forward to coming at this with a completely fresh view, um, and being completely okay with playing the game. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not betraying, I'm not betraying my, my history. I'm not betraying my, my, my background. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of saying, I have, I have, skills with regard to the fundamentals of marksmanship that I believe are as good, if not better than other people, other shooters. And it's time to start playing the game with the mindset aspect of it and, um, and going to see what I can do. So I'm taking a full deep dive into that realm of competing for 2022 and then beyond. So I'm pretty pumped. Um, the, the, so it's evolution, right? Yeah, it's a total evolution. When I, when I first started, and this is this is obviously um, hopefully directed toward a lot of our new shooters in the audience um, that are listening to this. You know, when when you start competing, when I started competing, I wanted to um, I wanted to learn uh, some of the aspects of of long range shooting that I wasn't exposed to in the military, and that was apparent mm -hmm. after my first. <clears throat> competition now uh there's always parallels right there's 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 a lot of things that um as i started competing i started to realize like oh like this is more efficient and not only is it efficient but it's practical and i started you know being able to figure out how i can take things that i was learning from the competition space and apply it to my job as a, a sniper instructor to, to, to teach snipers to do their job more efficiently and make snipers. <laughs> um, but then again, there's all those, those gamey aspects of, of competitive shooting. And then again, my first couple of years, it was just a learning process of like, okay, Hey, I'm going to, I'm learning the game. Right. I was shooting a 308. Um, and then eventually like my brain switched off. So like, okay, well, I feel like I'm not being outshot fundamentally because i was watching shooters and i'm like man there's no way that this guy's slapping the trigger right you know not squared up and hitting his target you know it's right like, like 
and um and, and still with a light cartridge not seeing anything because like you i can hear them like where was that right it's like man i'm <clears> seeing everything with my 308 right and so then i evolved in my mindset i'm like okay now i'm gonna get a 65 6.5 creep more i'm gonna start reloading and stuff like that and like i immediately saw massive results right with that with that essentially as as, as frank calls it buying points mm-hmm. well i saw it right you know i went from uh, placing, uh, 13, uh, 35th with a 308 at my first match. This was at NorCal to shooting TPRC, uh, and getting like 15th, right. Mm-hmm. Um, out of like 120 shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh man, well being competitive, right. The byproduct of, of going to a competition and being competitive is that you're still training, right. Right. Uh, certain things that you wouldn't be able to do yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because you're still being exposed to someone somebody, else's, somebody else's problem, somebody else's problem. Right. And that is what real world shooting is, is you are trying to figure out the problem that you didn't come up with yourself, whether it be um, uh, shooting a, a bad guy, right? Because at that point when he's exposed to those, he's created a problem for you that you have to figure out. Yep. Right. Or, 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 uh, hunting, right. The situation in which, you know, you find yourself in, in terms of, okay, this is, uh, where I've decided to, to shoot him at. This is, you know, the conditions of the wind. And this is again, the, uh, position that is going to allow me to be successful, Right. So like, again, when I shot my elk this year from the sitting position, I couldn't get like, and I was finding, I was trying to find the prone, right. Cause like why sit when you can prone out, mm-hmm. but any place that I visualized getting into the prone, um, there was going to be shit in my way, you know, right. uh, obstacles and vegetation. Right. So because of my competitiveness to play the game, um, the byproduct of, of knowing how to shoot from my tripod came from that. Right. Right. Cause I, I saw a comment about this was on the NRL hunter forums and stuff like that about, it's like, you know, I thought about shooting these NRL hunter competitions, but just seeing people run around with these big bags just gave me that uh, realization that, you know, it's, these guys aren't really hunters. And I'm like, you can't say that to guys like rusty Ulmer. <laughs> I was on, I, I commented on that. I, I commented. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. And it was Rusty. Rusty was going to teach a class. And um, that was the thread. And this guy, or it could have been a different one, but this guy basically said the same thing. He's just like, nah, this isn't blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to take an opportunity to, to share my perception of my own humble pie that I had to eat and say, Hey man, you, you are the one, your thought process, the lens through which you are observing this shooting event is clouding your judgment. That's right. And and that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just, and I was, I was in the same boat. The lens that I was looking with was clouding my ability and I was getting in my own fucking way. Yep. of of truly embracing what it is and say all right motherfucker we're here to play a game i got the tools to play the game let's play right i'm not going to be right. limiting i'm not going to i'm not going to purposefully and then like spitefully limit my ability to be at the same level of playing field 
because you and I have talked, it's right now it's to be in that, to be in that upper 10%, it's basically who is making the least amount of mistakes at that point in time. It's, and, and that's really what it boils down to is just who is the, can, who is so consistent that they're making the least amount of mistakes. And in order for you to do that, in order for you to be in that headspace and in that performance category, you can't be limiting yourself <clears throat> in any way, shape, or form in comparison to those other shooters. You can't in terms of your equipment and your ability to show up. Once you get there, now, now it's, a, it's, all, it's all a mental game of how do you stay focused and stay present long enough to make the least amount of mistakes. Um, one of the things that... Uh... I'm quoting uh, the guys from CR2 Shooting Solutions here. Um, he had made a post about, are you a competitor or a participant? And I, I like the post. It was, it was, uh, it, it, uh, it, it made me think about, you know, again, that aspect of being, uh, are you a competitor or a participant? And this goes to, you know, guys, again, I'm guilty of it, right? Showing up to a two-day national level match with a hunting rifle. And be like, well, this is what I'm going to bring realistically. But it's like, okay, at that point in time, you have to accept that you are just there to be a participant and, and learn your equipment, right? Mm -hmm. But you cannot sit there and, um, and, and, and bash on the top 10 guys that, that completely smoked you, especially if you finish mid-pack, if they've got gamer guns, because that is just the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, no one cares when you look at um, what influences the sport of, of shooting, um, no one cares that you brought a hunting rifle to a two-day national level race gun match, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're not looking at, you know, oh, what did he actually shoot? Did he shoot a 308? Like, no one cares. No one cares, yeah. Right, and, and that's what I would say that if you want to be competitive at this game, you have to play the game. You yep. just have to understand that it, it is a game, yep. but the byproduct of, of playing the game is that you get immeasurable training value at these events that you won't get at any course yep. <clears throat> that you attend other than maybe I would say other than maybe, uh, conditions are that are tricky and like one of the time venues like Hat Creek. Uh, that I've seen and maybe, you know, rifles only when, you know, winds are mock Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, Jacob puts you through very tough courses of fire. But again, when you go to a class, just like when you come to our class, I'm going to set you up. We're, we're teaching you to set you up for success mm -hmm. in our class. Yep. Right. Um, but that's not the reality of competitions. It's no, like, be there's no, there, there's no one there to hold your hand. You, you know, there's people who might be helping you out, but you have to figure it out yourself. Yep. You got to figure it out yourself. I agree. Um, I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to understand like what your intention is before you show up, because that yep. that's the lens that you're going to look through when you are approaching whatever it is that you're going to do. You can be a miser about it. Like you can be a miser about it. Like I was, and then you can go, Oh shit. All right. Well, 
you can have the realization of I am choosing, it's me that's choosing to um, have this perception, right? So I can either choose to not have the perception and um, change how I look at it. So that way, and, and just that in and of itself is going to increase your ability because once you do that, then you're just like, okay, it's almost like a, a weight is lifted off your shoulders and you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm allowing myself now to be okay with playing this game. Right. And I'm not like, I'm not compromising this in an internal struggle within myself. And so it's going to allow you to be that much more focused and that much more present, which is going to enhance your performance even more. So um, I got a couple of cool vlog projects that I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to vlog the trip over to, over to, uh, the West side. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with my man, Tom Ryder over at SPR industries. Um, Tom is a, is a, is a, you know, a small, small time, uh, gun builder, custom rifle builder, um, over in Seattle. And I've got a couple of chambers cut by Tom and they are phenomenal. Both of those rifles that I've had done by him are just absolute hammers. And so I'm going to have him cut my BRA chambers. So I'm pretty stoked for that. Um, and I'm also going to visit American rifle company. I'm going to go hang out with Ted over there, American rifle company. And I'm going to record a couple podcasts with those guys. So, um, I'm going to do that this coming week and it'll be cool. It'll be fun. Um, capture some content and, um, show you guys talk about some new stuff and, and, uh, have some diversity and, I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you on 2022 and what our subscription service is going to look like, what classes we're going to teach. I'm pretty excited about that. And um, if you guys haven't checked it out yet already, cruise over to moderndayrifleman.com. It is, that thing is just jumping off the chain. Our membership is growing pretty much daily and the conversations that are being had in there are awesome. It's pretty easy to navigate. And if you guys, like I said, if you haven't checked it out, uh, you owe it to yourself to go over there and see what's going on and um, jump in on the conversations. It's just a different environment. It's just a different environment of learning. And that's really what we wanted to create. And it's been cool to watch it come fruition. So, um, and um, we're going to continue to go forward with our, with our, uh, uh, our accountability partner stuff. And I guess we got to kind of figure out how we're going to do it in terms of like, how are we going to, how are we going to put it out to the, to the people? And I think that, that we're probably going to be doing that through social media and through the network. I can only, I can only assume. So we'll have that conversation figure out how we're going to deliver that to not only ourselves, but to other people to see what we're doing. So I'm excited. Man. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the thing that I'll say, uh, guys, um, is first and foremost, uh, as, as we wrap up, I don't know if we do a podcast before the end of the year, um, but uh, if we don't, because I'm heading to Alaska, uh, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Um, with this is we're coming up on year two of Modern Day Sniper podcast, and uh, it, honestly, I, I didn't imagine. Uh, it being, uh, where it is now, uh, without, um, again, a lot of you guys that resonate with uh, our story and in our mindset behind, uh, being a precision rifleman. So thank you everyone that listens to this. Thank you to everyone that has, um, come out to see us in person classes. 
uh, and uh, those that are active in the uh, modern day rifleman um, and modern day cyber monthly. It uh, truly means a lot. Um, for qu people that have questions about the modern day rifleman monthly subscription service, so far we've got 11 months of content oh, yeah. and assets that uh, live in what we call a vault. And you continue to have access to that. Uh, even when we start next year, it doesn't scrub or go away. Uh, you essentially, I mean, even if you join now, you've got probably a little over like at least, what was that at least oh, 22 dude. hours worth of stuff? No, right every, between, every month it's three hours of content. So it's over. Yeah, so like 36 hours. Almost, almost know, 40 hours. Live Q&As are courses of fire training sessions. And then our technical topic in Headspace Hub, right? So about three, yeah, so times, yeah, over 33 hours. Yeah. And then we're going to continue, obviously, to expand and add on that. And we were talking about for 2022, bringing in actual subject matter experts uh, for our tech topic classes, mm -hmm. like external ballistics, uh, uh, optics, right? Um, and um, yeah, so that's essentially what you have uh, if you join, you know, within um, you know, this month or, or whatever the case case might be. So yeah. you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. Cause there's, there's always that confusion. I've been getting messages like, Hey, does my subscription service end? And like, does do you guys like restart your content? it's like, no, like, no, it's all there. You have <laughs> access to internet. You have access to the vault, yep. which is all the videos that we've done so far for 20, uh, 2021. Yeah. And it's super easy to find once you cruise into the, the MDS schoolhouse, uh, it's, it's super easy to find because we have everything broken down in lessons and the search feature that we have in there is super powerful. All you have to do is just type in a keyword and every single post, uh, that, or every single post or every single video description that contains that keyword is going to pop up for you. And it's really, um, it's a really well-designed platform for online learning. And that's why we, that's why we went with it. So, um, looking forward to it. Um, like I said, I'm going to be cruising over. Uh, and grabbing a couple podcasts from uh, Tom and Ted, so those will be those will be in the hopper. We got that vlog coming. Um, we are relooking at our prep to hunt series and how we're gonna reattack that for 2022. Um, and we've got some really cool stuff coming for you guys for next year. We're talking about some some new master classes coming into the mix. Um, we've got our intro to reloading webinar series that we're going to continue to go forward with um, that that had a lot of attention and we're super grateful for that but um, just all kinds of really good stuff coming for next year and um, looking forward to seeing all of you guys out there at matches and events and classes it's been it's just been awesome to see uh, the impact that we've been able to have on the community it's been a ton of fun I like it this was good this is a good in the uh, good good podcast about hour 15. Yep. Yep. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, guys, uh, definitely appreciate this was, uh, I enjoyed this podcast. Enjoy doing these, doing these things. So, um, if you guys have any feedback, uh, based off our podcasts, the last few episodes, please let us know in the comments and, you know, or hit us up on the modern day rifleman network. That's where we've been kind of hanging out in the last few days or la last few months, uh, because of how, how, how much it's growing. So, um, yeah. Make sure you guys, if you guys are uh, shooting this winter, stay safe. Freaking, uh, please stay safe. You know, understand your four weapon safety rules. 
Uh, I won't harp any more on that. Um, as, as you know, that there's kind of been drama in the, in the, in the industry lately about that stuff, but, uh, safety should always be paramount. If you're, if you are uh, recommending gear or, uh, whatever the case to a new shooter, you should always first and foremost recommend, uh, uh, the understanding of safety rules and how to handle a firearm, um, before you recommend any of the newest shit. Right. Yep. Uh, and that's just my, my personal opinion. And if that person doesn't know, um, you know, uh, to, to seek personal, uh, professional instruction. Uh, and again, we've got a free video series on the four weapon safety, safety rules, yep. uh, in the network. So anyways, um, appreciate you guys. Hope to see you guys in 2022. If you guys see us at an event, uh, don't, come don't say, be, Hey, uh, yeah, come say hi. And uh, for those that are going to be coming to Altus, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. That's going to be fucking badass. It's going to be fun. So, so all you guys enjoy your holiday season, spend time with your families, get yourselves reset for the coming year. And um, next time you hear from us, it'll probably be 2022. Cool. Till next time, right, guys, guys, you know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Later. <laughs>